It's time to go trick-or-treating NBA draft style. Tom Westerholm joins me to go through it on this Wednesday Locked On Celtics. Millie, let's go. Raining Jays back with the vengeance at all the real Celtics fans in attendance. This is the truth like 34. It's like walking in the garden when you hear the roars. Crowd goes crazy. Most in-depth coverage on the daily, mainly podcast royalty. The content kings. When you talk about the franchise with 17 rings, focus like Danny at the deadline. Global, but it got a local feel like the red line, the blue line, the green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime and press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's is the best way. Melly. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for making this show part of your daily routine here for you Monday through Friday. I'm John Corrales, one of the Boston Celtics beat reporters at Mass Live, joined by the other Boston Celtics beat reporter at Mass hey. Live, Tom Westerholm. What's going on, Tom? What up, what up? How you doing, man? Doing okay. Doing all right. Uh, so Tom is here because Tom is our draft expert at Mass Live. So today's show, the premise is going to be simple. We're trick-or-treating. Halloween is around the corner. It's this Saturday. You're probably not going to be able to go trick-or-treating because of the madness out there, or you probably shouldn't. But regardless, (laughs) uh, we're going to go trick-or-treating right here on this podcast. So I'm going to present Tom with a series of statements. Those statements are either going to trick people into thinking something that is actually wrong, or they will be a treat and so on and so forth. You get the idea. This is revolutionary stuff. All right, Tom, you ready for this? Che Guevara of the podcast game right here. Let's revolution. (laughs) All right. So you wrote on Tuesday uh, in your regular weekly draft notebook, you wrote extensively about Onyeka Okongwu. And so my first statement, trick or treats, Onyeka Okongwu is the best big in the draft. Treat. Give me a treat on that one for sure. All right. So, yeah. So, uh, obviously, I think the competition kind of comes down to between Okungwu and then James Wiseman, um, who is projected to be like a top three pick. And if you want to make a case that James Wiseman is going to be the best big in the, in the end, like in this draft, I'm willing to hear it. Um, but I just think that like Okungwu's floor is so incredibly high. Um, we know pretty much for a fact that he is going to be a starting quality center in the NBA. We know he's going to be able to switch. We know he's going to be able to hedge. We know he's going to be able to do drop coverage. Pretty much with Wiseman, all we know for sure is that he's going to be able to drop. And uh, that worries me for an NBA big man. Wiseman is an incredible, you know, physically he's incredible. Um, There's, you know, he's he's super mobile, super athletic, super just a huge human being. Um, But I really like everything that a Kungu can do. Um, and I think he's going to be just an excellent, versatile five um, in the NBA. Is Akungu stock rising because of what Bam Adebayo has been? <laughs> yes, I think I think that's extremely fair to say. Um, and he is not. I don't think he's Bam. I think Bam is more athletic um, and probably a little bit more sort of. You know how like bigs are are like like certain bigs can kind of play like wings a little bit. Um, and like Bam can kind of do that. Like, obviously yeah. he's a big man, but like he can kind of take you off the bounce. He can pass out of that. That's not a Kung Wu yet. Um, I don't know that he's going to be as natural at it as Bam is. Um, but he's really good. Like he, he yeah. can do, he can do a lot of stuff. Um, and there's certainly some 
aspects of Bam where you look at him and you say, okay, he's strong enough to defend bigs. He's mobile enough to switch when he needs to. Um, you know, he, he's able to do a lot, especially defensively. He's able to do pretty much everything that Bam can do. It's going to be on the offensive end where I think Bam um, is, is a step above. But, yeah, he's he's certainly similar, and he's really, really good. Yeah. So, and that's that's the interesting thing because, I mean, obviously people are going mad for Okungwu. And the, the more, like, it's almost like um, I kind of wish for the Celtics, like, the draft will get here already because – each passing day makes it seem like it's less and less likely that the Celtics will be able to trade up into a position if that's where, where they are looking to go. So it's almost like you're waiting for the clock to, to wind down. You've got a 15-point lead, and it's midway through the fourth quarter. You're like, come on, come on, um, because it, it really does feel like a Kung Wu has, has risen and is, is really just ha- – has, has taken this like – step forward I I, I I I suppose without having gone through any real workouts so yeah and so it's interesting I, and I'm, I'm writing this for a for a draft board that's actually going to come out Wednesday morning we're recording this Tuesday evening um, and uh, I one of the things that I think is interesting is if the Celtics do trade up I, you know I'm, I've been a huge Okongwu you know proponent just as a prospect but I'm actually not even a hundred percent convinced that he's the guy the Celtics should target. Uh-huh. I don't mean to step on your, all right, go ahead. No. Yeah, I don't okay. want to step on your So team. let me ask you this then, but I'm going to interrupt you because my next one here is trick Let's or treat. The Celtics should trade up, but target a wing instead, no matter how good a Kung Wu is. So that's an interesting question. I think trick only because I don't think that there is a wing that I would for sure want to go get up in the draft. Now there's, there's guys that I like quite a bit. And so if they did, I don't think that's ridiculous. But the guy that I think I would target and the guy who is going to be number one on my draft board actually is not a Kung Wu. It's going to be Killian Hayes, who is a point guard. Um, I think that he projects to offer bench scoring right away and um, potential starting point guard down the road as you know Kemba gets a little bit older. Um, I think I think that Hayes has that potential to be both things. And I think if you trade up and if you get those two things, it's a little bit, and especially at a position that's that important, um, I think shoring those things up actually might be a little bit more important than just getting the center of the future. Um, so to me, I, I, I think, and I, I'm not 100% sure of this. I'm 100% sure that it's going in my draft board. I'm still tinkering <laughs> with the take itself. Um, but I, I think I would go with Killian Hayes. Um, you know, wing-wise, there's there's good wings. Uh, you know, there's Tyrese Halliburton, who's kind of a combo guard. Um, you know, big, kind of big like a wing. Um, you know, think maybe like a Malcolm Brogdon type in terms of talent. And then there's Isaac Okoro from Auburn, who imagine if Marcus Smart was a little taller, and you're actually pretty close to what Okoro is. So, mm-hmm. like, there's and then obviously there's like your Devin Vassell, your. Uh, but I, I think that if you're going after Devin Vassell, you might as well just wait and get Sadiq Bay or uh, Aaron Naismith around 14. So I, I don't think I would trade up to get a wing. Um, I think I would go get Killian Hayes if I can. But I do think that uh, it's I don't think it's a guarantee that if the Celtics do trade up, that a Kungu is the target. I think he'd be really good, but I don't think that's like I don't think that's set in stone um, just because they move up. So let me let me ask you this then: How much? of this has to do with how good we think Robert Williams can be. B- 
because if you're going up to get a Kongwu, he's he's going to be your guy or one of your guys, and maybe you're trying to match up with an Adebayo, but I don't like drafting to just match up with one guy. I mean, Adebayo is yeah. good, and he's going to be you know a potential all-star for the next few years, but it's not like you're trying to match up against LeBron or anybody like that. So, I mean, I think it's like... The the player du jour, you, you know, you just watched Adebayo blow the Celtics, you know, doors off. You just watch, uh, you know, Anthony Davis as a versatile big, and, and everybody's like dying for these versatile bigs. I get it; it makes total sense. But there's no Anthony Davis in this draft, that's for damn sure. Um, right, for sure. So if if Robert Williams is able, if we think Robert Williams is able to step up and kind of become a more viable starting option, be part of that. What, what Brad Stevens was thinking last year, as far as, Hey, we've got, you know, multiple guys that we can get into there. Does, does that possibility play into you? What people should be thinking about when it comes to a Kung Wu? So it's an interesting question. I'm going to try to phrase my answer correctly here. I actually, I think that it doesn't necessarily matter that much with Rob specifically, um, because I think Okungwu is very likely, like, I, I, I think it's a very good guess that if you draft Okungwu, he would e- like easily be the Celtics best big, Celtics best big prospect. Um, he's, he's very good. And there's like, and like I said, very high floor. Um, I, I think floor is like a, you know, mid-level starting center in the NBA. So maybe not his first year, but you know what I'm saying. Eventually, yeah. Uh, so I think that like in that instance, the guy that you're getting is is definitely, you know, the best prospect of the bigs on your team. So for me, it's not so much about Rob. It's more about what do you think is the bigger issue, center or bench scoring? And I think that bench scoring for this year's team was the bigger issue. I think, yes, they caught a bad matchup against um, Bam, but like you, I don't like the idea of drafting, um, you know, just specifically for one matchup. I don't think that's a very efficient way to do things. And honestly, like the Celtics center by committee, one of the things we talked about for most of the year was how well the Celtics center by committee was doing. Like right. it was a, it was a pretty good setup. Um, so I just kind of think like, and, and as much as I love a Kung Wu as a prospect, and, and I think like if the Celtics trade up and get him, like that's, that's a perfectly good, acceptable move. I just think like if you can get a guy who is going to be a bench scorer now who projects as a starting quality player in the future, that has more value. So it's not necessarily about Rob, um, although it kind of is because he's part of the center by committee. It's more just about, I think that filling kind of the, the bench role with cheap, um, you know, drafts uh, with cheap rookie scale talent is probably a better um, use of your draft picks than, you know, targeting a potential starting center who probably won't be like a true starting quality center, at least for like a year or two, because he's, you know, a 19 year old, 20 year old kid. All right. I've got more trick or treating coming up next, uh, including uh, what if the Celtics stay put at 14? Now, like I said before, people aren't going to really be going trick-or-treating like they used to. If they did, I almost think, and I don't think people should give out built Bars when they're trick-or-treating, but you almost could because they almost taste like a candy bar. They're so good. They're the best delicious, they're the most delicious protein bars on the market. Uh, I take them with me to the gym every day. They taste great, and they're, they're great if you're looking to lose weight, maintain weight, low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein. 
My favorite, I've been telling you guys, is the, the peanut butter one, which gives me 19 grams of protein and 180 calories. So I can have that, and I know I'm giving my body what it needs after a workout, and it's not going to eliminate what I've been doing when, when I'm hitting the cardio. So it's delicious, it's good for you, and it is now available for 20% off with the promo code locked on. Go to builtbar.com, use that promo code locked on, you'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. Have you subscribed to the Locked On Celtics podcast yet? You can wherever podcasts exist, and you can follow us on Spotify. Back with more trick-or-treating with Tom Westerholm, Celtics draft expert and my co-worker at MassLive.com. Uh, next trick-or-treat question, drafting for need more than the best available athlete should be the Celtics' approach this year? Um, yeah, I think... I think it's a treat, but I think it's like one of those like, like I already have plenty of Skittles, man. I don't need more Skittles. Like it's like, an, <laughs> like you know, it's kind of like mid mid level. Like I don't, I don't have a problem with the take. I think you could go either way with it. Um, if the Celtics drafted for need, that makes sense to me because you know they're again they're hoping to draft guys who can um, you know fill a role right away. Um, again, kind of going back to what we said about trading up, like Tyrese Halliburton would be a guy who could probably fill a role right away. Um, I also don't have a problem with taking a swing at somebody, you know, if, if you are at, if they stay put at number 14 and they want to draft, uh, you know, uh, Alexej, uh, Pokusevsky, like he's, he's a really promising, you know, looking guy who's definitely a project, you know, if they wanted to take like a shot at like an RJ Hampton guys who have like real star potential, but who have a much lower floor. Um, I think that that's a reasonable way to go about it because you already have a good team. So uh, I know that's kind of a, a wishy-washy answer, but I, I do think that that's, I think that's kind of the nice thing about the Celtics setup is whatever their big board looks like, I think they can draft either for need or for fit or uh, either for fit, excuse me, or just for like best player available. Um, because, because either one is reasonable given where they are as a franchise right now. Right. And that, and that, I think it goes more to the quality of this draft where, I don't think the we talk about like the best player available, but they're everybody's so even that well the best player available I think I think the 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 conception of this draft is basically after you get to a certain point after a certain point from whatever number I don't know what is it like six or seven or eight to like down to the next like twenty picks. You're, there's not a huge drop off in best player, so you might as well go for need because, well, this guy shoots better than that guy. It's not like they, I'm picking a, an all star. I'm, I'm I'm letting an all star pass because I need somebody who's just a good shooter and whatever. Um, so I, I just feel like when you're looking at a draft like this, whatever the the kind of draft that everybody's saying it's going to be, that. If if you're looking if you're looking for scoring off the bench, and that's your biggest need, you might as well try to find somebody who can be a scorer off the bench right now. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's I think that's 100 percent reasonable. Um, also, to your point about the uh, oh, Rafi <laughs> making an appearance. Yeah, Rafi appearance here. Um, I, I think that you know the the other to your point about. 
the uh, the lottery um, and, and like and how flat it is. I think the interesting thing too is um, everybody has so many question marks about the top three to five um, that a lot of teams would rather be in the fourteen range because it takes a lot of pressure off you because you do think that a lot of those guys are going to be role guys um, and, and you're not certain that Lamelo Ball or Anthony Edwards is actually going to be a star. So um, yeah, no. Uh, that, you know, doesn't really answer the question of uh, <laughs> going to get somebody for need. But, yeah, no, I mean, it, I think that's reasonable. I, I think you can certainly uh, you certainly approach this draft that way, even if, um, you know, in other drafts it, may, it might not be the smartest way to go about things. So to that, to that end, and you kind of touched on this before, but my next trick-or-treat is the Celtics should just stay put at 14 and get a wing like Sadiq Bey, who is, I know, a favorite among some of the, the local – Celtics draft experts, especially you like can Chris say Chris Brenham. Brenham. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but I mean, he's a three and D guy and he's, you know, that's the type of guy that the Celtics need. If, if they're going to let somebody like Shemi Ojale go, then drafting a six, eight guy that can hit the three and defend that's well, let's try this guy in, instead of the other guy trick or treat. Yeah. Um, so I'll say, I'll say trick just because I think the Celtics are in a position where like, since they just have such a roster crunch, it like, this is the one kind of opportunity where you do actually have a chance to move up and try to get somebody, um, you know, maybe a little bit, not like, like not that Sadiq Bay I think is going to be bad by any means. I think he's going to be a very serviceable NBA player for quite a while. Um, but I, I think that if you can, if you can move up and get like a Killian Hayes, that's just a better player. And that's not always like a good way to approach drafting, especially in a draft where you want to have like a lot of bites at the apple, except that the Celtics have too many players on the roster. And I don't know how much trade value a lot of their rookies have after not really playing at all this season. Like how much trade value does Carson Edwards have right now? Um, I, I think it's like literally right. nothing. You right. know, because nobody's ever nobody's seen him play in the NBA, really. So, um, so I'll say trick just because I think that the Celtics' like best way to sort of it's tough to say, man. It's a it's a weird draft, but I think <laughs> I think that the uh, I think that that one of the better ways to to try to like kind of pare down and try to keep some value is to aim for a starter, aim for a guy who has maybe a little bit of star potential. Um, a little bit higher in the draft who might not be available to you at 14. So, um, that said, I certainly understand the, the the rationale of staying put in a draft that is this wide open. So, so which is which is the better I, plan for for you? Um, taking those picks, using them to trade up and find somebody, or staying put at 14, draft and stash at 26. And use thirty as a way to get off of the eventual Ennis Ennis Cantor opt in, and you're using that that last pick to to sell them basically. <laughs> well, I mean, the the latter is certainly the more financially uh, reasonable way of going about things. Uh, as a draft guy who enjoys watching draft prospects, I would rather see them do the former. Uh, but sure. that is uh, th- th- that's not necessarily a great team building strategy. Um, well, but I mean, yeah, look, I mean, you have to factor in that the Celtics are trying to win now and you know, yeah. are they, where are they going to get? Sure. There's, there are concurrent paths that teams are always working on 
And a draft and stash is certainly, if you if you believe in that player, it's certainly helpful to have a guy a couple years from now that you can pay um, on a rookie contract after he's played and, and matured a little bit overseas or whatever. But at the same time, the Celtics are contenders. They're yeah, you know, are, exactly. Maybe they're wherever people want to rank them, second, third in the East, something like that. Certainly there's a path to the NBA Finals for them. And the whole point of this whole thing is to win a title, right? So there's there's long-term stuff, sure, but there's also like, you know, win now stuff. So, I mean, there's there's value to both both tracks. And I think one of the reasons I like the former track where, where they do trade up so much is that it is both a win now and a win in the future move if you get the right guy. Sure. Because if you get the right, again, if you get the right guy who is coming off your bench and who is you know, contributing to scoring right now, who could be a starter in the future, that only improves your, your standing. Um, and I think too, you know, the Celtics had these two picks that they were hoping were going to both be like, you know, high lottery selections. Both of them actually ended up right at 14. Like they both ended up in exactly the same place. Um, might not, you know, it, it might be um, a good way to, you know, just kind of shore up the last little bit of the, of, you know, high lottery future planning uh, to, to try to trade up, you know, to, to try to get that, that last, if, even if he's not like a blue chip guy, you know, maybe like a, maybe like a light blue chip guy, you know, like a, <laughs> a guy who's like a, like a half step below a blue chipper. Um, but, but who is still, you know, slightly better than just a role guy that you're hoping will, you know, maybe make some threes off the bench. I like that light blue chip. <laughs> is, did you just make that up right now? I did, yes. That's awesome. I'm, I like that. I'm like a genius. Uh, we're going to come back with more trick-or-treating, including perhaps the perfect Danny Ainge selection in this draft. Be sure to follow our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Locked On Celtics on Instagram. All right, we're back for our last segment of trick-or-treating with Tom Westerholm my co-worker on the Celtics beat at MassLive.com. I feel like, Tom, I've heard a little increased buzz around Tyrese Maxey recently. And so my first trick-or-treat is here in this last segment. Recent buzz around Tyrese Maxey is false, and Boston shouldn't consider him at all. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, So this is like a double negative, right? Yes. If I say trick, then it's, yeah, all right. Um, if you say treat, you're agreeing with that statement. Right, right, right. Um, I mean, so it's tough to say because on the one hand, like I watch a lot of draft film. I do not watch as much draft film as guys like Max Carlin, who, uh, has, you know, has these guys down to an absolute, yeah. uh, you know, absolute science. And he loves Tyrese Maxey. So, Interesting. you know, I, I like Maxey. Um, I, I think he's an intriguing guy. I don't. Like there's a bunch of guards I would take ahead of him. Um, you know, I would take Tyrell Terry. I would take Kira Lewis. I, I would take some guys ahead of him. Um, that being said, um, and I know we're going to get to this, so I'll, I'll tease it a little bit. Um, he is kind of a Danny Ainge guy, you know, a, the, like a, a tough gamer, um, you know, a guy who I, I think you could look down the road and say that that's, you know, kind of a, a winning plays type guy. Yep. Um, you know, some somebody who can create his own shot a little bit. And, you know, just somebody who was higher rated coming out of high school and, you know, might have slipped a little bit 
um, in college, you know, was in kind of a tough situation. And also it's always worth, you know, considering that Kentucky, uh, a lot of, a lot of Kentucky guards have been much better in the NBA than they have been, um, playing for John Calipari. So, um, you know, there's, there's a lot to like there. Um, but I, you know, I just, I don't like him quite as much. I think that's a personal preference yeah. thing more than anything. So, um, you know, take that for what it will. Sure. For, for what you will. There's there's certainly very smart draft people who like him quite a bit. Sure. Uh, you know, and I was listening to Chad Ford, Chad Ford's Big Board, which is the uh, our Locked On Podcast Network draft show. By the way, people, you should subscribe to Chad Ford's Big Board. Um, he had John Hollinger on there talking about Tyrese Maxey, and Hollinger was just like, I, I don't know why. There's buzz around this guy. He's 6'3". His measurables are not great. He didn't shoot well. You can say that he did say that there are a lot of Kentucky guards that play well after they get here. There are also a few Kentucky guards that have gotten into the NBA and been worse. So yeah. people forget about some of the ones that have been worse. Uh, one of them played for the Boston Celtics or tried to. So James Young. So there's, there's I don't know, certain certain stuff with him. Like I, I know that there's buzz around him. I have a feeling looking at these mock drafts that he's going to be available. Uh, on one of at one of these pick, if the Celtics keep their selections, he's going to be around at 14 and there there's even potential for him to be around at the bottom of the draft. I just don't know that the Celtics should, should take him. And so, well, I mean, look, if he's if he's there at 26, I think it's a no-brainer. Um, I, I don't think he'll be there at 26. Um, I wouldn't take him with the 14th pick. There's a lot of guys I like a little bit better. Yeah. Um, so uh, I would I would agree pretty thoroughly with Hollinger's analysis. On yeah, that. Kevin O'Connor has him right now uh, at 22nd in his new mock draft, and I don't see him on the uh, in the lottery at all. So he's not – a couple of people in this – I'm looking at the NBA.com consensus mock draft, and so that's a good – kind of compilation obviously consensus it's it's going to take in a lot of um a lot of other ones SB Nation has him at 10 and yeah. Yahoo Sports has him at 13 but all right well we'll see and then finally from today also from the Kevin O'Connor mock draft that has uh the Celtics at 14 taking RJ Hampton and mm. so my trick or treat to you right now is RJ Hampton is a perfect Danny Ainge selection at 14. Uh, treat, but I do not think he is the perfect um, Danny Ainge player from this draft. I think the perfect Danny Ainge player from this draft is Cole Anthony, um, who was, I believe, the number two prospect um, coming in, struggled a little bit, uh, you know, number two, number, you know, so somewhere yeah. between like two and five on most people's boards. Um, he, he struggled quite a bit at North Carolina because the situation, well, in, in part because the situation was, was really terrible, just an awful, awful team. Um, that to me is the perfect Danny Ainge guy where it's like, you know, somebody who was a high level prospect and then, uh, you know, struggled where he was, but Hampton is very similar. Um, he went to New Zealand, um, played for the New Zealand breakers. Uh, if, if you watch him in New Zealand, it's, (laughs) It, it is. It, he is. A, he is a bizarre player um, because <laughs> he is an incredible, incredible athlete. Like, um, you know, there's some like, like there's there's a little bit of like kind of the Zach Levine, just kind of that way that he floats yep. when he's in the air. Um, there's a little bit of that with, with Hampton. 
Um, he's, he's very, very fast, very explosive. Um, his, his jumper, like if you look at his waist up, doesn't look bad. Like his, you know, his shot form is fine. He has just no idea what to do with his feet. And I, I really genuinely think that is the thing that is holding him back. And if he could, like, if he can work, if he can work with his footwork and if he can make that a little bit better, there's some potential for that guy. And, and especially if that helps fix his jumper, there's some potential for that guy to be like really, really good. Um, that said, it's kind of a big ask. Uh, so, um, but yes, to your point, uh, another guy, I, I think he was, you know, between like five and eight on most people's, uh, you know, prospect rankings. Um, and, and then he obviously struggled a little bit in New Zealand. Um, so yeah, he's, he's a very Danny Ainge guy. He is a guy that if he, dra- if the Celtics stayed put at 14 and drafted him, I would, I would say that was a, a decent selection. Like he, he's, he's very interesting to me, um, with NBA coaches and, you know, maybe with a, a, some, some very focused NBA development. All right. Well, that has been trick-or-treating with Tom Westerholm, who is the uh, my beat, beat writing partner at MassLive.com and also the host of the Geno Time podcast, a competing podcast that I shouldn't have mentioned, but what the hell, why not? Uh, Tom's a good guy. Follow him on Twitter at Tom underscore NBA. If you're one of the new listeners here, I hope you've enjoyed this show enough to subscribe. We'll get guests in like Tom every once in a while. So if you're one of Tom's followers not following me somehow, well, welcome aboard. Hope you've enjoyed it enough to subscribe. Regular listeners, a five-star rating and a good written review would be awesome. And, of course, share the podcast. Tell your friends. Tell everybody they should be listening to the Locked On Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network.